listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. We are sipping tea while spilling tea. Good afternoon, family. How you doing? It's your favorite host, Maria Jordan from Afternoon Tea Radio. And you're listening to The Real 1100 AM. And today we are sipping tea while spilling tea with the thought-provoking... <laughs> Uh, talented, kind, um, motivational, inspirational uh, poet, uh, Poppy Picasso, also Mario Reyes. So I am excited to have him. We're going to be talking today about what Black Lives Matter means to the brown community. So I am excited uh, to have that conversation. Is Mario in the building? Peace, peace. How are you today? <laughs> hey, how are you? I am outstanding. Thank you very much. How about yourself? I'm glad. I'm so happy you were able to call in. I know it was last minute, but um, I always get inspired by your page. And uh, I had saw um, your uh, one of your last posts in regards to just um, the brown community's um, involvement in the Black Lives Matter movement. And just really, it's the same movement. <laughs> For, for us all and I just wanted to have you on I think it's a time um, to really make sure that we um, have our voices heard and um, to unite um, and, and, and really I thought that you'd be perfect for this conversation so I'm so happy and appreciative that you were able to come on and have this conversation with me sir no I'm sure I'm here for it <laughs> uh, one of the things that I like to um I like to preface things with is that the greatest trick that devil ever pulled is language and religion. Oh yeah. And by Separation. doing by, exactly by imposing those two things, they created lines where there shouldn't be one. Yeah. So absolutely. when we hear about, you know, the Brown community, you know, how many Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, you know, are, are Panamanians, Brazilians, are black, visually black, but because they follow a different God or they speak a different language, they are then segregated from the conversation. When if we're talking about black lives that matter, we should be talking about all the stepchildren that came from Mother Africa. Absolutely. We're all children from the same place. And um, we really, we really, and the reality is, is even if we weren't, we have the same struggle. Um, And and, and it's it's important to unite and to understand that we're in this together. So um, I, I, I just appreciate your point of view and your perspective and then your voice and being so candid and so it, it takes courage to have those type of conversations um, because a lot of our culture don't agree <laughs> um, racism you know, but they, they could not agree but I don't blame them honestly like they yeah. um, it's very hard it's like victim shaming mm. when I try to when I try to check them because I understand that you've been indoctrinated into a whole different belief system. Mm-hmm. And in order to feel valued, you have to uh, then separate yourself from others. Absolutely. When when we've learned and 
history has proven time and time again that we are way stronger in numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, um, yeah. Well, in, first we're going to talk today's tea. So I wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, Everything that's happening in the world um, and everything that's happening, um, uh, I mean, in, in, in the nation and how how it's affecting us uh, so rapidly. There's so many elements right now. You got COVID-19, you got uh, riots, you got um, businesses it, There's always a but. There's always a but. Yeah, there is. There Bills is paid, but COVID. Yes. <laughs> it's a race war, but COVID. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. every, like my, my, my daughter graduated, but COVID. Like, there's yeah. always going to be a but that, like, what's the underlying one? It's crazy. Like, everything is relational at this point. It is. It absolutely is. Well, I want to talk a little bit. You know, Atlanta police um, has fired the white officer who shot and killed, um, uh, uh, well, before, from Wendy's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Wendy's yeah. Um, on Friday night. Um, and it's you know, so sad. It's so sad. There's been so many instances. A name doesn't even jump out anymore. And, oh, my God. Rashad Brooks. Yeah, like, Rashad Brooks. Like, yeah. yo, Rashad Brooks could be. Yes. It could be a million so names. And many. I'm just sitting here like, oh, my God. I, and I'm internalizing every story. Absolutely. So that, that that's... Man, so basically, the officer was fired um, so that we have the story clear. So apparently, um, Mr. Brooks grabbed the officer's taser and tried to escape, avoiding arrest for alleged drunk driving, which I don't even know how it makes sense if he was parked. But nonetheless, drunk driving. And then the other the, the second um, officer was placed on administrative leave. Um, from that, um, on the police cam, the uh, the police dash and body cam video showed 27-year-old Rashad Brooks asleep in his car and blocking the drive-through lane at um, the Wendy's fast food restaurant. And it took a few moments for Officer Garrett Rolf, I think his name is, to wake in um, uh, Mr. Brooks. But the the thing is, is the video show, showed such a cordial conversation you know like um a cultural conversation that revolved around entrapment yes but yeah but i'm talking in regards to mr brooks he was very respectful oh, very he was very respectful very i understand you're i know you're just doing your job <laughs> like, you know um very he's very respectful and he was faded which is yeah. fine you're allowed to get faded absolutely and now, we'd be having a different conversation if you pulled him over. By all means, yeah, he was blocking a park. But this man wasn't driving. You know what I mean? He was parked in a court. Yeah, and I, I and I'm not sure. I states that if, you're, like, if your car is running and you're behind ah, the wheel or the keys are in the ignition, then you're still, like, the assumption is going to be that you were driving while intoxicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. However, however just, just me personally, I feel like if you see this man pulled over and is asleep, and is voluntarily walking, willing to go to his sister's house, as he stated several times uh -huh. when they were when they had the exchange. If that man is not posing an immediate threat, and your uh, job is to protect and to serve, not to reach a quota, Listen. not to get an X amount of uh, arrest on your sheet. Absolutely. And the reality is, you cannot be that tone deaf to the tone of America right now. Yeah, this now, this is the thing. This is the thing to me. 
you can't say as the um the the actual lawyer for the the family and this is what he said you can't say a taser is a non-lethal weapon but when an african-american man grabs it and runs with it somehow it becomes deadly to the point where you think you need it's okay to shoot somebody three times in the back like that's the bottom line where where is the humanity here like when is it okay what i'm tired of hearing is an excuse for why it's okay to murder somebody. It's not. You, you but you're can't. looking for humanity from a system that deems black life as less than human. And that, exactly. So that, that's the I think point. The, because uh, the, uh, the communication that's happening now is no different than that when W.E.B. Dubois was first addressing Congress. Yes. When... We were trying to explain that, yes, I am an example of what can happen if a black person is provided the same education as you have been. Mm -hmm. And now, now that you respect my words, are you now willing to look at me as a human? Yes. However, however, just the mere tint and the white privilege of it all to always view somebody black as either a menace or criminal is another form Absolutely. of white privilege and supremacy. And, 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 and what I'm trying to get my white counterparts to understand is, yes, the issue with the police is an issue that needs to be addressed, but that system was never built for black and brown. So the issue now continues is, is, is what, why you can't see the error in the way, you know, why you don't understand how that is not correct why you have been systematically you've been systematically thought you're in your you don't even realize that you also see the same way they see because you feel like oh well he was this and he was that no i I never want you to think that they don't see it though Mm. it's the reality is equality to those privileged makes them feel enslaved themselves So the minute that you have to be based on true merit, yeah, and you erase the uh, um, the complimentary and that you are uh, extended based on the culture from which you come, you then get you see what happens in sports, you see what happens anywhere else. Oh yeah, like so when we talk about the systematic programming, and so it's not that they don't see it. They fear it. Mm. That's the difference. They see it, they fear it, and they get and they have the the uh, they have they aren't in, in the position yeah. to willfully ignore it. Mm. Selective outrage is a beautiful thing if you're the one that gets to be selected. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me, how has as a Puerto Rican American <laughs> What, how has this, how's the state of our nation and our world affected you personally? I'll keep it a buck. Like, I'm already, I'm a six-year veteran from the Air Force. Yeah. And I was in the intel field that entire time. So I got, I was privy to a lot of information. I got to see a lot of things. Yeah. And so I've been going through uh, therapies for PTSD already. Mm, wow. And one of the things that me and my um, therapist talk about frequently is how the state of America has 
put me automatically back into a combative position. Wow. Like, now, for those that are unfamiliar, like, I'm a 6'5 Puerto Rican with that brown skin. Like, I'm not dark skin. I'm like a light-skinned brown dude. I I used to get confused with Jamaican a lot or Creole. Yes. Um, And my entire disposition in life is... I was raised in black culture. I'm from the Bronx. I yeah. was raised around that, but Yadman, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Everything about me exudes that of a normal black person, absent yes. of seasoning. So mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, like when you look at a Puerto Rican or a Dominican and you ask them, are you black? That's like asking a chicken breast or a chicken thigh, are they a chicken? <laughs> it's a different part of chicken. It's a different season. Yes, you know I mean? yes, yes. <laughs> so, it's so true. And I really like... I, I, I need we need to talk about that a little bit because there is such separation. Some people are like, yeah, a duh, you can see it. And then some are like, no, we're different. We're separate. Like what what had well, was yeah. there separation for brown and blacks in the Bronx growing up? Like, was there separation there for you? Nah, nah, I was, see, I didn't really know um, any, like, level of racism mm-hmm. until I, I got it. I got very small dose when I first got to uh, Catholic school in New Rochelle. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really, it wasn't blatant. Like, the, the person who gave it to me gave it to me from a traditional standpoint. So I wanted this girl's phone number, and she <laughs> said, you can't call my house. And I said, oh. why? And, she, and I thought it was just because I was a boy. And she said, no, because you're Puerto Rican. My dad was fat out. And wow. I'm like, oh. What was her nationality? She was Italian. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and which is funny because we had like Italians in Cypher with us. So growing up in the Bronx in the 80s, if you were a participant of hip hop, then it is what it is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whether you're black, green, Asian, whatever, like... You were a participant. I think the white people knew better than to say the N-word, but specifically brown and black people, we were so integrated that we all grew up under quote-unquote culture. <laughs> so our energy was always reflective of that. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like, I've never, like, like Thanksgiving, we would go to my, my Haitian friend house, eat day food, go to the, the, the Jamaican house, eat day food, come to the Puerto Rican house, eat our food, go to the... You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, it wasn't... It was just us. It was... It was... It was, it was, was you come on now. Like, are, you, are you from the black? You from the black. Yes. Yes. So, where do you think... Like, because that's how it was for me. I grew up in the DMV. And you know Baltimore. You lived in Baltimore. Um, yeah, so I I grew up in the DMV where there was no separation. It's funny because I think back and I remember being asked, like, so was it mixed? Or I, I literally, I didn't grow up seeing any any color. And I think a lot of that has to do with the the um, just being everyone was like it was everyone was successful everyone was on the same you didn't really see the difference it wasn't pushed on you you know we like my i'd go to my spanish friend's house and experience their culture and then go you know to an african friend's house and experience their there was no difference there for me until i went you said that because like you know, I think the difference is like in the Bronx, you know, the Bronx is poverty. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. so we saw a struggle 
and then we saw uh, poverty. I think those are so totally yeah. different things. And you got to be mindful of that. Being in struggle doesn't mean you're in poverty. Absolutely. It just means that you're working hard. Absolutely. Um, and, the, and, and you don't have the same opportunities in some cases, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you surround yourself in that, like we said, we, like we saw the commonality amongst each other. We didn't see the differences. We appreciated yeah. the differences. We did see them. We appreciated them, though. Yeah. We would be like, yo, I love how your mom does this. I, oh, my gosh. You, think, you know what I mean? And then you introduce the parents, and then the parents exchange. Yes. Yes. So that was like the dope part of it. I started really getting exposed to racism when I joined the Air Force, and I was traveling through Texas, through Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like in Virginia. I was, you know, called out my name. I had, like, I do. I had like, a chainsaw put to my neck before. It was crazy. What? Like, I've gotten pulled over and called a big, a good one. A wow. big, you know what? A, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah. I've, I've experienced all the blues. So don't think I'm here to just ride on the river. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you identify as? Oh. Oh, you're breaking up, darling. He'll be back. He'll be back. Well, I mean, the, it, it, that's a whole word in itself. It's so crazy how, well, in my experience, I actually didn't experience separation or any type of racism until I, I moved to Philly for for work. Um, excuse me, for school. I went to Drexel University for school. And at Drexel, um, I, Philly's, Philly's a predominantly minority area or whatever. So I ended up um, going there, but I would go into Jersey. And a friend of mine, his mother was white, and we became very close. And we'd go play bingo, because don't judge me, I like bingo. And, <laughs> and we'd go and hang out, and her friends is where I um, experienced... Um, her friends is where I experienced racism where they were like, why are, why are you hanging out with this little black girl? So that was the first time I experienced it actually in Jersey um, with school. So, I mean, and then I moved to Atlanta and in Atlanta, you know, Atlanta is a predominantly minority city as well. So I, I, the experience is not as experienced as those who may be living in the deep South and experience racism all the time. Um, Mario, you back with us? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Oh, part of me. I no, no problem. No sprint, problem. Sprint, sprint, get what it does best. <laughs> right? But we were talking about what you identify as. Yeah. What I was saying is, one godfather is the foremost collective slave artifacts from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And my other godfather is a direct descendant of Dr. Ramon Emeterio Betanza, mm-hmm. which had which led the Grito de Lares which was the abolition of slavery in Puerto Rico and DR. Wow. Oh, that explains a lot of who you are, but we'll get into that in a minute. You you know what I'm saying? So when you, when you are raised with that level of insight as to who you are at your core, it really helps uh, frame your understanding of yourself. So when I travel the world, as I have done, whether it be Korea, Italy, or wherever, and people are, they're confused as to my energy mm-hmm. because they're, they're 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 anticipating the stereotypical Puerto Rican. Mm. I don't have to com- I don't have to convey who I am to you because I'm already confident and I know who I am. Mm. 
You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, and on top of everything else, I've done the DNA test and da da da. Yeah. And I'm like 60% Mozambican. Mm. You know, which explains why I'm 6'5. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So why do you think it's important, like with growing up and you being around such culture and such understanding of who you are, where you came from, what is the significance? Why is that so important? Um, I think it's, it's important for you to understand who you are specifically as um, a mixed breed, as, as Puerto Ricans are, mm-hmm. because the world wants to be black and white. Yeah. By design. Yeah. But m- the vast majority of us are gray. Mm. We're not black, we're not white, we're not brown. We're all gray. Yeah. And when you understand that gray, you're able to, one, articulate and appreciate the differences in culture instead of finding fear in them. Yes. And I think that's the key is the fear. There's a fear and fear don't exist unless you let it exist, you know? So yes. what do we like, do? Think about, think about our how me and you first uh, came across each other mm-hmm. through the advent of poetry, through art, yep. right? Yep. And yeah. imagine like Atlanta as di- as um as popular as Atlanta is, it's not truly diverse, especially when it comes Listen. to the uh the the the, the um the Bohemian network culture. Of culture. It lacks so, when I stepped on the scene five years ago, you know, it was a contentious situation mm-hmm. because I said like a a, a, a a poem anchored in New York culture and George and me got on stage like, why are you saying so freely? Like, what are you? Like, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and, and, and then it was a little heated because I was like, I'm human. Yeah. And she was on stage, you know, being the icon that she is and I'm a nobody. And I'm like, and I'm just holding my square. And then as we developed friendships and all of these other things, they started to understand me and my culture mm-hmm. and me as a human so much that they're like, oh, nah, like this, they, they, they see past it. Like, it's almost like if you have somebody in your, in your, in your cypher that may be gay, mm-hmm. you know, when you yeah. first meet that person. It may be like, okay, how do I navigate this? Yeah. And then after you, real after some time with that person, you realize that is the least interesting thing about. Come them. on, that's your brethren, and that's exactly. And, and that whole concept. I mean, if you look at music and culture, it's an example of how to blend how what we need to do as a nation. You know, right. there's a we need to find the common denominator. And stop focusing on the difference. Because... And authenticity speaks for a lot of it. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times people, they have the right intention, but it's only behind the veil of what they're trying to project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're truly authentic, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to be X, Y, Z, but I can appreciate it because I know you're coming from a place of no ulterior motives. Yeah. You don't got to try to convince me. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think we need to do? Like at this point, what do we need to do as a country so that we are we we see effective change? Because my concern is, yes. OK, you know, we've put this. Call must into- burn. <laughs> so hold on. Wait, wait. So 
<laughs> so wait. So in regards to protesting, so I take it you are for the riots and the burning of the Wendy's because that Wendy's got burned down if y'all didn't know. Let me explain something. <laughs> Let me explain something. Like the uh, riots are the voice of those uh, is the language of those that are voiceless. Mm-hmm. Understanding, understanding that you cannot continue to do to keep the system in place as is and think this shit is going to be all right. Yeah. The 13th Amendment lets you know that they criminalize black culture mm-hmm. and just and just set up a system that was able to legalize slavery. Like, yeah. bottom line is, unless you start changing at the core of American Constitution and, yeah. and, and enact, enacting laws, not policies, I'm for all means white necessary. supremacy... All forms of white supremacy to be fucking burned to the ground. I'm sorry, I'm not Watch your language. To be burned to the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And I mean that sincerely. Like, I've never seen, I've been wearing polo since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. I've never seen polo come or Ralph Lauren Company come and take disadvantaged kids to uh, the Preakness yeah. or to the Kentucky Derby. I've yeah. seen, I've been, I, I remember when Gucci was super fashionable in the 80s. I've mm-hmm. never seen any one of these. Uh, um, European designers create programs to stem the systematic mm-hmm. uh, uh, oppression of black people and brown people in America. Yeah. So they'll give you figureheads. They'll give you certain things that that, that are supposed to appeal to our culture because they value our dollar. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for supporting companies like Rex Bespoke Clothing. Melanin Mermaid Body Shop yes. as opposed to going to Saks Fifth Ave or yeah. Bath and Body Works. Yeah. I'm for that energy. So yeah. if you want to know what's going, what we need to change, first we need to change the laws and then we got to change the way our culture thinks and stop placing value on people that do not value, value you. you. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, I spoke with a good friend of mine, uh, Nikki Gilbert, um, last week. And, you know, she she her and I, we we agreed in a sense of the necess- the need of change. But there was a disconnect, I think, a little bit in regards to um, peaceful protesting. Right. And I don't know. I, 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 I don't think that there's a such thing as peaceful. Pro- I think it's kind of a, a contradiction. Well, you can't, yeah, you can't <laughs> have one thing about peaceful protesting is. If it's um, contingent upon both sides being peaceful. Also, protesting the whole idea is to is to rattle rattle this, you know, the comfort. The like quo, it, the, yeah. the, the, that's the whole purpose. Um, and and I think that that's that's where I feel like it's by. I think every type, excuse me, type of protesting is necessary at this at this time. And, you know, at first we were saying, you know, well, we tried the peaceful way with Kaepernick and y'all, you, you see what happened to him. But she made a very good point. That was a necessary step. So it wasn't that um, Kaepernick's uh, approach wasn't necessary and didn't. And, and it also was a step. You know, I think that every bit you use what you can. But you're absolutely right. When you see things getting burned down and you see you are seeing a reaction of the less fortunate and it, honestly this ain't our stuff <laughs> so <laughs> at all and I went through Buckhead the other day and every 
store that I sold boarded up wasn't owned by nobody black. Yeah, and I will say, you know, they did um, affect some black-owned stores, and I and I and I, and I know it's it's it, it took a lot to get into Buckhead shops as a black owner, okay. you know. Um, and and I and I and okay, insurance is paid up. I I hope so, and you know, and and honestly, even when the insurance pays up, it doesn't um, replace your hard work and sweat, you know, to put your business together. But I think that there is, although I feel for these companies, I think there is a bigger point and picture here. One being, um, I heard a young lady even speaking on this. I forget her name, but she was saying. The question is, is why do you know, OK, you question the rioting, you question the the the, the t- um, taking things, looting and all that. But why is it that these kids are, are feel the disconnect financially so huge where they feel the need to go take like that? Mm-hmm. That's an issue well, in itself. There was a, um, uh, uh, a fortune cookie I got years ago that said society prepares the crime. The criminal commits it. Mm. Now that's and a word. That, that now that's the best fortune cookie I ever got. Yeah, that's and a word. That's I, real. When you think about if society has created such a wide income gap mm-hmm. between those wealthy and those bereft, what do yeah. you think is going to happen yeah. when injustices start to happen? You can only keep them distracted in their phones for so long. Yeah. Like, you know, and that that's the goal. And now and, uh, there's, a talk, there's a platform. There's a platform. And I wanted to talk about, you know, when you were talking about peaceful protests and the, the contrary, like the provocation comes from the police. That's the reason why we are out there in the first place, because those policing us are supposed to communicate and they've been failing to do so. Yeah. They've only been react they only been reactive in the use of deadly force. Yeah. So I didn't post this because I didn't want to uh I wasn't doing it for anybody else, but I did go out to the protest the first week. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having to assume kind of a leadership role between the protesters and the police because it was about to get really dangerous and I saw a lot of women and children out there. Yeah. And one of the things that stuck out to me was that when I was holding the line and I'm and I'm backing down the protesters with my bike, I turned to the police and I say, where's your liaison at? We need the bullhorn so you can communicate what you want them to do. Yeah. And he said, they look at me and he says, we don't have a bullhorn. This just happened. So we weren't prepared. Mm. I said, really? Because I see tanks. I see SWAT. I see tear gas. I see machine guns. I see all types of riot gear. So you are only prepared to, to, to come out here react. and yeah. be violent. And yeah. that in itself is communicating enough to these people behind me to know what your intentions are. Yeah. And if you cared anything about this, the, the true safety of the constituency and the citizens in this city, you would realize that they are here because you guys have failed to communicate and the only weapon that you have in communication you forgot all right what does that tell you yeah it it says a lot all right guys we're gonna take a quick break mario stay with me stay with me um and we're gonna get uh we'll be back in a short second 
Swagger Magazine is a proud sponsor of Afternoon Tea Radio Show, airing every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you visit us at swagger.net and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Check our swag with more than a mag. Mom's Tea is an official sponsor for Afternoon Tea with Maria Wills. Mom's Tea is packed with flavor and purpose. Each blend is designed to promote mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And it tastes good. Visit us at Mom's Tea Online and sip tea every day. What's going on, everybody? It's Travis Cure, model and actor, and you're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, Josh Bias, and I'm rocking with my homegirl, Maria Jordan, on the Afternoon Tea, and you should be, too. What's up? It's Manetta Shaw, and I am on the radio with the Afternoon Tea. Take a sip. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours, it will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, 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 oh, glory, glory. Hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it go down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, 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 now the And the child, even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now. Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles from dark roads, heroes to become a hero. Facing the league of justice, his power was the people. Enemy is lethal, a king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego, the biggest weapon. 
is to stay peaceful. We sing, our music is the cuts that we bleed through. Somewhere in the dream, we had an epiphany. Now we right the wrongs in history. No one can win the war individually. It take the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy. Welcome to the story we call victory. The coming of the Lord. My eyes have seen the glory. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be What's up, family? You're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. Uh, and I am sipping tea while spilling tea with the thought-provoking Mario Riaz, also known as Poppy Picasso in the building. What's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What up, what up? Yeah, man. So listen, you going to spit something for us real quick? For sure, for sure. Hey. Um What kind of energy are y'all looking for right now? I'm looking for whatever energy you feeling. I'm on right. whatever you feeling. All right, let me let me ask real quick. Am I allowed to curse or no? No. <laughs> okay. I, call, I let a couple slide earlier, so just bill me. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo. This will not be the meet you halfway compromise what I say so you can see things my way speech. Not today. Today, this is that forget your feelings until you care about our freedom. I will walk down your your highway and disrupt your daily routine and kindly take my Colin Kaepernick knee. Just because you don't share my burden don't mean you can't feel my pain. You don't got to get shot with the bullet to get hit with the shame. It doesn't have to be you that burned the cross on my lawn for you to feel the heat from its flame. We share this country, my brothers and sisters, that should include its pride and its pains. But somehow none of those gains. You see, my inheritance was weak. There was no cap and trade or cap and gowns. Only hand-me-overs and hand-me-downs. Little nook, run your jewels and freeze. Little N-word, pat me down. Two sides of the same coin. I hope both of you are happy now. You see, growing up like this is unfair. But I learned a long time ago that fair does not live here. We need balance, but it's never your turn. It's always our skin color versus your perceived worth. Stereotypes that drown out the sound of my words. Therefore, your comfort right now is not my concern. You own the world. And what you mad, you can't say one word. And I honestly will wire your jaw if you ever call me that word. That's my word. I'm 6'5". I've never been three-fifths of a man. I'm nothing short of whole. I'm aware of my history. And I know I don't look traditionally black, but that's just the crust. You can trust my soul is as black as coal, and it cannot be controlled or owned. A Barbie doll cannot reflect my Afro-Boricua daughter's magic. Why, Maria? 
because clones can't blow. The Puritan was never the pure man. You could ask the pilgrim. They don't know how to reap what they stole. And someone asked me about my stroll everywhere that I roam. And I'm reminded, most sin that I am in my own skin. The farther away I take them from their goals. To keep me in a narrow box, labeled and confused. But you know that New York Diddy Bop got them dazed and confused. <laughs> my truth does not compute. Because the truth is, with knowledge itself, my mood switch. So every time I have to justify my own customs, it's as if I'm placing W.E.B. Du Bois nooses around my neck woven from double conscious excuses only to hang in a semi-diverse crowd that's deemed inclusive and be asked insensitive questions I deem abusive and I don't care no more because I'm just so used to it. It's like the higher I climb corporate America, the less of us I find it was our ancestors' blood that watered that movement. So excuse me, white America, but to hell with your culture, your religion, and all your other propaganda. You have no moral authority to tell us when and where we should stand up, how we should address our oppression, what is the right or wrong answer. You are not in charge of me. Your permission cannot be Oscar granted. Said, spilled our blood for this country in the face of its hell. You cannot quell our voice. I will sing until it cracks the Sean Liberty Bell. Mm. I have a dream that one day the media will stop mischaracterizing that man's beliefs based on one speech. I said I had a dream that one day Dr. Trayvon Martin, Rodney Luther, King Jr. will be more than a footnote in America's long rap sheet. Mm. Maybe that's a different dream for a different day. I guess life ain't no more my sister. It's a broken neck shade of Freddie Gray. Mm. Thank you. Ooh. Ooh. You better speak. Mm. <laughs> man, oh, man. How did you get into, when did you start writing? I started writing 25 years ago in Spanish class after I heard Capone Noriega take over New York. Mm. Wow. So you were, did you ever think that this is what you were going to do? Like, what, what did you want to be as a kid? Rich. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I wanted to be rich. But for those that are unfamiliar, I have my own IT company. Ah. So uh, technology really has allowed me to follow my passion without the... Uh, need for the financial benefit yeah. and because I've been able to do it honestly the financial benefit has come by virtue of that mm-hmm. you know uh, I know you know um, Hannibal Jackson yeah. shout out to Yaya and Corporation you know what I mean they're doing it and he's the one that actually taught me how to do business with the United States government wow wow that is yeah, but, so um, awesome you know poetry has opened more doors for me because even though I've been writing for 25 years I only truly started sharing within the last five Mm -hmm. because I finally got to a point in my life in which I felt I had lessons to pair with the experiences, Mm -hmm. which I found, which I found valuable. Prior to that, it might have just been me complaining or me expressing myself, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you can extract the lesson, but I, I didn't pair it intentionally. Yeah, yeah. And, and that brings me to A Son With No Father, a book with no author. (laughs) that is your new your your, your baby baby. your baby so tell us about that book what inspired it 
Um, it's crazy how things evolve. So at first, that was just a bar. It was just a punchline. The song with no mm -hmm. father is a book with no author. I was like, ah, that's dope. Then yeah. I was like, you know what? I could convert that into a full poem. So I made it a poem. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people always told me write a poetry book. But yeah. I'm a poet and I don't read poetry books. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I was like, if I'm gonna do something, I want it to be, you know, significant. I wanted to, I wanted to have merit outside of just the poem. Yeah. So, I decided to write a book. And while I was after my divorce, I was started sharing a lot of my experiences as a father to mm -hmm. offset the stereotypes that were projected upon me as being a single father. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like that was my own head that noticed would get hit up a lot by like brothers that I knew, you know, some that I knew personally, some I, I barely knew, some I had beef with, mm -hmm. but all of that goes out the window, all that pride goes out the window when you become dad. Yeah. So they hit me thanking me for showing them the joys of fatherhood because they didn't have those examples growing up yeah. and they weren't sure if they were doing it right. So I decided to write that book, and the way it's structured is I share um, every chapter has a lesson or has a subject that imposes itself onto me and my son's life. Things like bullying, things like race, mm -hmm. things like sexuality, and as those things come in, I share the experience that happened, I follow it with the lesson I was trying to impart, and then I end it with the poem it inspired. Mm. So nice. the book, thank you, and it's meant to be coupled with the workbook that I that I did with a clinical speech pathologist, mm -hmm. and we specifically use Maslow's hierarchy of needs to target certain questions to help facilitate communication between a parent and a child, seeing a mentor. So if you get the book with the workbook, you have to be about much crying because you get to use me and my son's experiences as a backdrop to these questions. Yeah. So if it's going to ask you about your first crush, the first time you've been in love, and it's just meant to facilitate healthy dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wanted this to be more than just a coffee table book. I wanted it to be a true resource. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing some father-son healing workshops in the near future. We're going to have a score that accompanies all of this so you'll get to hear some good music live bands and all of that. You know what I mean? We got, this is a lot more than just a book. It's going to be an immersive experience. Yeah, I love that. I love it. And you got to bring it to life. That's right. Or um, dad coach a fly, yo. Yeah, I love that. And you know what? I think the world needs to see it because the stereotype that our men don't take care of their kids is, is false. And um, we need you know it's false to something funny. Like my girl hit me the other day. Like I saw she said something like, "Do men check their boys that aren't Repeat that, Mario. You broke up a little bit. You still with us? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear hello, you. Now. Hello. Yeah, repeat that again. No, I said my lady. And I was like, hell yeah, I do. Like, I had real conversation and dialogue with my child. 
And I think that communication in general um, is something that is a struggle for for not just parenting, but for relationships in general, friendships, romantic, all of that. So a necessary source for dialogue, I think, can even go further than just parenting. Like it's, it's a struggle that a lot of people have, especially in the minority community, because our expression is so threatening you know and so we've almost been except for in music and in artistic ways we've been um taught to die down our expression which affects our communication so i think that now um we're in a place where we are able to um, express ourselves and we need resources that helps us ask those healthy questions so that we can communicate um, effectively. Um, it's something that's necessary and it's something that we do, but we can definitely communicate more effectively. Um, so I think that, um, you know, the a, a, a Son With No Father, a book with no author, the workbook being involved in that is like, so needed um, so that you can apply it you know it's not that um, you know with you Mario you're you're a wordsmith communication is what you do it's not as easy to communicate with people who don't really know how to to um, express themselves effectively so I think that having to be honest therapy has helped a lot in that perspective because even yeah. though I'm a wordsmith it's easy to write it down and hash out your thoughts when you get a chance to be still. It's a lot harder in the heat of the moment mm -hmm. and you find yourself in a contentious situation. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's when that's when the Bronx comes out and I gotta be like, <laughs> she'll go back. <laughs> so what tips would you give? What tips would you give to effect, uh, communicating effectively, not just as a parent, but just in general right now with the way our nation is? How do we communicate effectively to one another? Um, ooh. One, uh, when you try to, like I would say from, let's say, the police perspective or the white perspective, first thing you got to do is do not try to compare and compete with our struggles. Mm. I think the minute you do that, you're going to lose a lot of people. Yeah. I think from our side, uh, be more clear. I think, you know, communication, when you're, used, when you're speaking in emotional language, like I feel, that makes, that helps put it in perspective. Mm -hmm. However, when we're talking about laws, feelings don't matter. Mm. You got to have data. Yeah. So depending upon what your topic of conversation is, think about how you need to effectively approach it. If you're dealing with a relationship, speak in feeling terms, which then lets people open to hear your uh, perspective without feeling defensive. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking to uh, to uh, uh, law and real and other kind of struggle, have your data ready. Yeah. And, and point out research. specifically exactly what it is. Mm, that is awesome. That is absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's and it's effective when you have done your research, um, and in the personal co communication, it's effective to make sure that 
you're under the, the person you're communicating with knows that these are your feelings and that feelings aren't necessary fact. I had to heard that and learn that a long time ago. It's fact to you, right. <laughs> but there's different perspectives, you know? So, um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I really, truly, truly enjoyed, um, this conversation with you. Um, what do you want to leave to our brown and black community to help them to unite and to understand that we're all on the same page? What words would you say? First, I'd say understand the difference between responsibility and accountability. Mm-hmm. Then I'll tell you to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Explain. A thermostat controls the temperature of the environment. A thermometer can only tell you the temperature. Mm -hmm. So for years, we've been victimized and been able to uh, become products of our environment. Mm -hmm. I think we realize now that we need to change the situations around our environment. Yeah. That way way they can't come through and gentrify it because it's already popping. Mm -hmm. And we have ownership. Ownership. Absolutely. And when you think of things like Tulsa, you know what I mean? Oklahoma, where we have done this before and it was built, burnt to the ground. Do you think that with this movement, that's what will happen again? A lot of people fear that. I don't know, but I'm telling everybody to stay gripped up. If you can get a a, a concealed weapons permit, go get one and learn how to shoot. Because mm. when, 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 when COVID first popped off and I went to go get bullets for my rifles and my shotguns and my handguns you know when I was in that store I know I didn't see any of us in there Mm. so what does that tell you that tells you that the potentially opposing side is well armed yeah and we always know that you know I, I was I was joking with my husband and I was telling him like the protests need to be at the uh at the the voting polls and at the um where we can get a uh, license to carry. Now, nah, so tell brother I said peace too. I sure will. I sure will. Yeah. Well, I man, I appreciate you. How pe- how can people get your book and get a hold of everything and keep in touch with you? Uh, follow me on I am Poppy Picasso. That's P A P P I C A S S O on IG, and you can follow the links there, or you can go to my website www.poppypicassopoetry slash shop and you'll see my books there and you know I invite I invite all criticism too Mm -hmm. because the whole purpose of the book is to spark further dialogue so if you become a better parent after seeing where I failed shout out to that (laughs) amen Well, man, I appreciate you. Thank you for Oh, uh, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I I really appreciate it. And that's all this is about is us talking about, you know, Afternoon Tea was created to broaden a perspective and to um, help us to have that dialogue, that healthy dialogue. Um, So I appreciate it. It's funny, too, because you never know what's going to hit. Because, per se, if you, labors of love, you're the best results. I posted that just to speak my mind i had no idea that it was going to translate into this invite yes but absolutely it was just something that i had to get off my chest man it was so honest um and it was a call to arms for real so for all of my latinos out there that think that they are separated from today's struggle they or even anybody maybe you, you you get a little bread in your pocket and you're outside the typical class of what our demographic is found in you better realize that the same struggles that they're fighting for affect you. 
mm-hmm. you wouldn't have the civil rights if it wasn't the civil rights you have today if it wasn't for the black community. So you better be all uh, willing to go all in with all your chips the same way they had. Yeah, yeah, we're in this together, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for calling in. All right, sister, you have a good one. Peace, brother. All right, y'all, you've heard Papi Picasso. Make sure you're following him. Make sure you're on his, uh, go purchase his book, um, A Son With No Father, A Book With No Author. I mean, it's, it's a dope, 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 dope. And as you can hear, he's he's pretty, he's lyric, man. He's lyrical. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you guys for listening in. Um, my quote of the day, there comes a time when silence is betrayal. My Martin Luther King. Thank you guys for tuning in to Afternoon Tea Radio. Please follow us on Afternoon Tea Radio Atlanta and on IG at Afternoon Tea Radio on, uh, excuse me, on IG and Afternoon Tea Radio on Facebook. And also uh, follow The Real 1100 WWWE on Instagram and check out our website, www.afternoontearadio.com. It's your favorite host, Maria Jordan. I appreciate you. I love you. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. Make sure you check us out on our website, AfternoonTeaRadio.com, and also follow us on all social media, Afternoon Tea Radio Atlanta.